going to light treason news, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. Here is your weekly recap with Meredith. Hello. Did I tell you this is the new format of the show? No. So we are a once a week podcast now. Because nice. my life is um, bananas. Mm-hmm. Very busy. But I want to keep doing the show for everyone. So now we do like a weekly recap. Although in this case, we took a hiatus for the holidays. Yeah. I truly, I didn't know what day it was today. I was like, what's happening? Is it the weekend? What's going on? Oh, until well into Wednesday, I thought it was Tuesday. <laughs> it was a solid 1.30, and yeah. I was warming up leftovers before I realized it was a day later than I had It assumed. is, like, unfair. I feel like it should be a national policy that we get a week to recover from having so much time off yeah well if you if the holiday falls on like a tuesday or a wednesday mm-hmm. the whole week should just be off yes and then we just wait to start until the next week exactly yeah um so anyway we're back we missed you guys and i love you but while we're in the pop culture section i have watched so much shit so so have I. Over the break. Oh, my God. So I'm so glad you're on the show because I have an anti-rec that everybody fucking loves, and it's driving me insane. So I want to talk about that in a second. But before I get negative, <laughs> I want to talk about shit I've seen that I like. So... Into the Spider-Verse. Have you seen it yet? I haven't yet. A friend of mine wanted to go see it, and I'm just waiting i don't know i are can't you not like into it no it's more that i've just burned out so much on lackluster superhero movies but even something that's delightful well but that's the thing there's also so many movies that i really want to see that are sure. both new that are supposed to be really good and i know would be very up my alley in a way that i wouldn't have to talk myself into and uh, right now, just as a person who's lucky enough to live in New York City, there are a ton of movies playing at the repertory theaters mm. um, that do old movies. Ugh, and, and I guess. That uh, I've just been seeing a lot of those, too. So it's been, I, you know, I'm just, I'm recognizing that I'm not going to go see Into the Spider-Verse until I've seen a few more sure. movies that I mean, that's fair. I will say, like, on the flip side of that, I went to go see Aquaman mm-hmm. on Christmas, and I knew it was going to be awful. But it's it's too boring to even be like awful and fun. Like I feel like Venom is awful and fun. Yeah. Aquaman is so fucking boring. I just kept like spacing out during the plot and thinking about shit I needed to do during the day. And if you can make a movie with Jason Momoa covered in water, just like doing things yeah. boring, you have really missed an opportunity. Although that got a little bit ruined for me because of the shit that was leaking from the set. Oh, that he would like take Amber Heard's book, book so that she would pay attention to him. I'm like, yeah. are you a child? There's, I, I mean, that's something that like the shitty boyfriend in like <laughs> She's All That does before he realizes, or like that his friend does because he refuses to believe that once she takes the glasses off, that didn't actually happen. It's just like in a teen sure. movie. Or he's, the, he's like, Gaston, or Gaston. Yeah. Yeah. Is that I mean, he could name? be Gaston. Gaston. Thank yeah. you. Uh, he looks like he eats five dozen eggs. Yeah, at least. So, but I'm staying positive right now. So Into the Spider-Verse, great. The favorite, great. Um, but I have to say, sad, very sad. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't braced for it to be that sad. Yeah, and I mean. one of the strangest endings I've ever seen. <laughs> well, did you see Killing of a Sacred Deer? 
Yes. Oh, I mean, like, Yanthos Largamos is one of the strangest filmmakers on the planet, so I try to go in just not expecting anything yeah, to be normal. I, w- I was just stunned in different ways with those two films. Like, The Killing of the Sacred uh, of a Sacred Deer I was watching, and I was just, like, in shock. Oh, yeah, because that ending. movie is legitimately traumatizing. Super traumatizing, but, like, in a way that I was really into. Yeah. Um, and I actually enjoyed watching. Maybe that's a problem with me. But I was, like, watching it, and I was just like, wow, this is a fucking trip the end of the favorite i was just like what the fuck is going on but it was sort of like hypnotizing so again i totally bought everything and i loved it and num 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 i love all of his films but i was just like this is the strangest most popular film Mm -hmm. usually when something's that weird it's like incredibly niche but i feel like I mean, also, we live in New York City, but I feel like everyone I know has seen The Favorite. Yeah. Well, and I mean, when you put uh, Olivia Coleman and Emma Stone mm. and Rachel, like, if you put those three actresses in a movie, it's automatically going to get a level of prestige that l- is going to lead people who are probably less inclined sure. to like Good movies point. like that to say they liked it, even if they weren't sure, <laughs> um, because they just don't want to be on the wrong side of Olivia Coleman eventually winning an Oscar. No one does. She's going to be our queen one day. I'm for completely real. okay with this because if you haven't, if you didn't love her the first time, one of your weird dude friends told you to watch peep show, <laughs> you probably were not paying attention. Right. <laughs> uh, and then this might be a little more unpopular of an opinion. Mary Poppins Returns is fucking delightful. Mm-hmm. The critics can suck my ass because it's getting like very average reviews. Mm-hmm. And the main complaint seems to be that it's just kind of a reboot of the original. Like, for example, in the original Mary Poppins, they go into a painting. and in this one, they go into a painted vase. So some critics were like, mm, is it enough of a departure to be like a sequel? I don't care. Yeah. Everyone's a fucking delight. Like, they created that cast in a lab, yeah. you know? Also, Mary Poppins, like, probably doesn't have that wide of a repertoire in terms of, like, whimsical shit she's doing to bring magic to her kids' yeah. friends. Like, so why wouldn't it be, like, okay, now we're going into a vase instead of a regular painting? Yeah. Oh, I'm like, sorry. Are you tired of the miracle of me entering a magical world? Somebody is going to bed without their snack. That yes, is for sure. It's all of you for being ungrateful. But, like, how do you not like Emily Blunt? Like, some people were complaining that she was too posh. I'm sorry, what? Like, that's her whole thing. Yeah, and like I don't know. She's a little, like, uh, there's a little bit of an edge to her in it mm-hmm. that I really like. Yeah. She's very funny in it. Lin-Manuel Miranda, who I was, like, two seconds away from being sick of, mm-hmm. is great in yeah. it. And is so charming. He raps a little bit, of course, so it's great. Uh, ben Wishaw makes you cry a million times. God, ben Wishaw is so uh, good. Emily Mortimer, like, designed in a lab to be likable. I'm like, who didn't like this? Yeah. Anyway, I hate critics. I've been disagreeing with critics so strongly lately. I loved Venom, and I love Mary Poppins. Go fuck yourselves. All right, so... Oh, my God. There's so much to talk about, Meredith. Um, Can I throw one in that I really enjoyed? uh, That... um, So, I went to see Cold War last weekend. Uh, Oh, yeah. um, By Pavel... Pawlkowski, I believe. I don't know. I can never remember, but it's definitely a P last name. He did an Academy Award Best Foreign Language Film, Ida, which was sort of post-World War II, young nun, scars of the Holocaust. But he's 
unbelievably talented in shooting in black and white. And so this is a Cold War film. It starts in 1949 Poland, and it's at a brand new, like newly established uh, school for musicians where they're going to train uh, traveling folk music and dance and culture performance troops mm-hmm. to go around. Because in the uh, early days of the Soviet Union and through they had these, you know, the proletarian, like, peasant types would dress up in traditional costumes and sing folk songs. And so there's a, a man and a woman who are traveling around recording these folk songs, and then they're recruiting these people. And then it's this long, you know, sort of decade and a, a half or so long love story between one of the young women who's recruited into the troupe and the man who's helping to recruit them and train them and plays in the orchestra. And it is unbelievably beautifully mm. shot, uh, heartbreaking, like so romantic and epic. And apparently it's loosely based on the love story of the director's parents. Oh, wow. So you've got like oppressive governments pulling people apart. You've got the Iron Curtain. You've got uh, dreamy artists hanging out in Paris and playing in jazz clubs late at night. And just like... It's all good. Un- I, and also like the two leads are so gorgeous and spirited that you're just like... I wanted to live in that movie. And it, right. it just like also as someone, because I'm that kind of nerd who studied and was obsessed with uh, cinema from Eastern Europe in the late 60s, like around the time that uh, right before the Soviet Union rolled their tanks through Hungary and Czech Republic mm-hmm. and Poland and then crushed all of the artistic mm-hmm. progress that had been made in the 25 years since the end of the war. Uh, it felt like a movie that could have been made in the late 60s about a period of time that had just elapsed. Right. Like, it had this sensibility that reminded me a lot of, like, old Milos Forman films or old uh, films by this female director from the Czech Republic, Vera Hitilova. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them did early work in black and white, so it, it was, like, very much in a tradition that I appreciated. But, like, if you want to watch a heartbreaking, tragic love story that still makes you feel great love for art and music especially like that's another part is like it's a real love letter to to artistic performance and like the power of uh music to really uplift you so Mm. in it was my favorite of the three let's have uh a female protagonist who's a singer with a slightly older more experienced uh uh, mentor and then uh, their romance is torn apart like or whatever is torn apart mm-hmm. then um, compared to Star is Born and Vox Lux. Right. Uh, well, speaking of uh, the black and white uh, thing that you mentioned uh, and m- oh, the female protagonist, have you seen Roma? Uh, I haven't Netflix? yet, but I'm really Ooh. interested in it. So my minor quibbles with it aside, uh, I think it is beautiful. Alfonso Cuaron is a fucking genius. Yeah. Um, there's just a... L- there's just a little bit of um, there's too much nostalgia in terms of class. Yeah, that I, mean, I find sort of I don't know. It, that's the only thing that irked me a little mm. bit. I'm I'm interested in this, and I've I've read a couple of um, reviews by Mexican critics and also people who have some background in indigenous, like Mexican indigenous mm-hmm. uh, cultures that they recognize that but were at least interested i think like they were frustrated by the lack of interiority from the protagonist mm-hmm. but i also think like remember how we gave the oscar for best picture to the movie about fish sex <laughs> last year I, so i'm kind of yeah. i don't want to dismiss criticisms from the like class class critiques mm-hmm. to the film 
I think it's so interesting and valuable that he decided that was a story he wanted to tell. It's, and she's wonderful um, in it. And yeah, it, it's just uh, refreshing to see a story like that being told. But yeah, all of these insane things are happening to her in mm-hmm. the film, like cultural upheaval <laughs> yeah. is just like happening all around her. And, and there never really is a moment where it's like, how do you feel about working for this middle class family yeah. who kind of treat you like part of the family until they decide to turn on you and then they're, they can be very cruel. Yeah. Um, which I also appreciated he showed that, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like she's basically at the mercy of this wealthier woman who is living through a very precarious time of her own life. So she's very volatile emotionally. Um, And you understand why, but that's sort of horrifying and it's never really Mm -hmm. (laughs) explored. Yeah, well, and I mean, that's something that he's had problems with in his other films. Like after rewatching Itamama Tambien, like there's always a hint of political upheaval and there's always, it's always happening around the characters, but it never fully engages in a way. And I don't think that people who make movies that take place during times of serious uh, change have an obligation to well, put that it, it in there. Well, it was sort but of weird because yeah. he was asked about this because right. in um, Roma, he portrays a student uprising that actually happened yep. in Mexico during that time period uh, in the early 70s. And it was very uh, brutally... Um, yeah, it was really violent. It was and super awful. violent. And like students were shot... And by, you know, paramilitary uh, who were in part trained by uh, the United States. And he actually said in an interview where he's like, I didn't really want to get into it. And I didn't want to really like, um, like cash judgment Mm -hmm. on what happened. And I was like, what do you, what? (laughs) What do you mean cash? And I I felt like he did pick a side in like watching it. It's horrifying. Oh, and by the way. One of the most upsetting things I've ever seen happens in Roma. So if you were any in any way squeamish or I I would steer clear, Um, like very, very upsetting. Um, But that is one of the more upsetting moments, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like she's like shopping for I won't give too many spoilers, but she's in like a separate building and they can sort of see what's happening with the students outside. And then some of the students run inside to hide from the paramilitary and they chase them down and shoot them in front of everyone. So it's very upsetting. (laughs) Um, But having said that, it's a gorgeous film and I loved it. And Mm. I think he's brilliant. I want to hear your anti-rec now because I feel like we have some things to talk about. So I want to talk about Bird Box. God, I hated this movie. I hate it so much, Meredith, but I also feel like you and I are so in the minority. I guess. I think that's probably true. I certainly got a lot of really nasty comments uh, on Twitter uh, based on my review, which like I knew was probably likely because, full disclosure, the review starts with, I wanted the kids to die. <laughs> paragraph. But new honestly, paragraph. <laughs> um it was satisfying, though. Some guy was like, well, I hope you die. And I was like, I'm going to report and block. And then he got to put in Twitter jail. So that was, that was nice. It's a movie, but guys. Calm down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really thought that... I don't know why people thought it was good. I thought it was missing... I w- it was missing stakes. It was missing yes. any sense of dramatic tension for yep. me. I agree. Um, um, the w- people yeah. calling it scary, I was like, what scared you? Sarah... Right. Uh, Sarah Paulson's eyes turning red. Like, it truly did not scare me in the slightest. 
Um, and I think it's, you're exactly right. It's what am I scared of? This thing has yep. no shape or identity. It can't outrun a woman carrying two toddlers. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, and she's blindfolded. Yeah. I'm not too scared of this thing. Well, and that they change the particular stakes of interacting with the monster at every point. Sure. Like you hear some people interacting with something and then they look and then they kill themselves or they kill someone else. You don't know why some people kill themselves and some people kill others. You don't get a sense of why only some people end up going insane and then being alive. You don't actually get a sense of what the world is like. Or, like, because there are these roving gangs of insane people they out there. They don't show the like, most interesting parts of what could have been interesting in the film. Like, when she has the baby and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's another thing. Just the constant judgment of, like, she's bad for not wanting to have the kid. I know. Well, and, and it's interesting. I, of course, read the Wikipedia summary rather than the book because I didn't realize it was a book until I watched the movie. I have to say, yeah. I read the summary of the book and I like the book's ending better yeah same also in the book the sandra bullock's character is fully 30 years younger than sandra bullock she's a college student oh wow maybe she's a grad student but she's like in her 20s and that's why she's ambivalent about having a baby and i know that sandra bullock looks amazing (laughs) for 55 it would be difficult for her to pull that off i like you there's the narrative of what it's like to be ambivalent about being a mother at 35 versus 25 is so different yes, that just setting it up in the same way with no explanation does not do it for me because like, Oh, I had a bad life. I'm like, bitch, you can go to therapy. You're painting in a <laughs> really, really nice studio. It's so nice. Um, so that really bugged me. And yes. I thought that there was the one scene that did have a lot of tension was in the house when the, uh, what's his face who's gone insane and starts opening up all the windows and like they're both going into labor. Yes. That part was scary because it got like I felt like it was a fairly novel take on yes. looking at the ways I don't know. You could have done some interesting shit about the vulnerability of women in child like when it comes to childbirth. Well, yeah, and, and I then also like thought that twist was interesting that there were some people who want to Right. Go yeah, or who have decided who yeah. that they they looked and they survived, and now like not only are you insane, you're proselytizing. Like, is that a metaphor? I just seemed like they had all of these things that are supposed to be metaphors, but none of them connected for me. Yes, and also I'm sorry, and I said this in my review: the idea that we're making a movie that says the only way to deal with shit that scares you is to just not look. Right is absolutely fucking absurd Mm. at a moment when we can't deal with climate change right and i know that that's like a really that that's a downer like i real world like response to this but i don't want to watch a movie that has where we're not supposed to like we're taking away our ability to function and i guess like yeah i feel like not seeing is also just such a it's so much harder to depict why that would be a way like living in that world from a disaster standpoint Compared to A Quiet Place, where it's sound. That's like. the thing. I'm like, how do you say this movie's good when A Quiet Place exists? Mm-hmm. Which already did the, you know, depriving people of a sense thing. But it was actually scary. Yeah. It was actually a good film. was actually a good story. Um, I'm just like, 
watch a quiet place. Why would you waste your time watching Bird Box? Well, that's I was scary. While I was working on my review the morning after I watched Bird Box, I um, rented a quiet place and watched it while Hell I was yeah. writing, Hell and yeah. it really informed a lot of my feelings mm-hmm. about it. Um, mm-hmm. I also just thought it had some really fucked up things to say about disability too. Like, yes, there uh, that that uh, Bird Box you know that you go to the like the place to be safe is the school for the blind that's now turned into this spot but they're still it, it just it felt so muddled and like i didn't have any sense of why we're supposed to be so doing this in the like, book it well, in the book they blind they themselves, blind themselves. Yeah. they're not already blind well and I, it just seemed like it created a, these people are magical rather than right. uh where the nice the thought I, thing i thought was interesting about a quiet place was they made the point of hiring a deaf actress and using sign language mm-hmm. and like communicating in a way that where they were clear that this character had a like had certain things up on her family but also right. like where it wasn't she's not a magical unicorn right she yeah. wasn't and she was struggling and there was tension and there were there was frustration it wasn't just this serene sort of like oh now you're safe and all i could think was like so what are you gonna do just like hide out in this place until you run out of food and die like, like they're gonna have issues yeah yeah um so much of it it just didn't hang together for me and i thought like oh great you put this like how much money did you spend you got this amazing cast and like fuck you for getting john malkovich to play an asshole and then wasting him like everyone in that house was completely wasted oh yeah why the fuck was Machine Gun Kelly in this movie? No, I was like, Mac who is Miller this? was probably too high on drugs at the time True. to do it. I'm I was just like, like, who is this terrible actor? Oh, it's Machine Gun <laughs> Kelly. That's why. Oof, God. Yeah. Um, and also the claims now that Netflix tr- is trying to make that more people watch Bird Box than Black Panther. I'm like, listen, just because you have that set to autoplay anytime somebody's mouse goes over it yeah. does not mean more people sat down to watch Bird Box than Black Panther. Also, you put Black Panther on there, didn't give it an autoplay segment. Yeah. Uh, you hit it in a, such a way that you had to scroll deep in or search directly for it from at least two weeks after it was on yeah. there. It was like people freaking out on Twitter. They were like, did you know Black Panther's on Netflix? I know. Also, most people saw Black Panther in the theater. That's why it was the most successful movie that came out last year. It made a billion dollars, guys. But yeah, let's talk about how uh, Sandra Bullock learning to like kids. Um, Oh, also one more thing I hated. Sorry, I can't stop talking about it. Go on. Um, The other pregnant lady was, I was like, did they make her, like, I don't know if it was the writing or the actress, but I swear that she seemed borderline not all there. Like, I thought that she was, like, when she was talking about princesses and all this, I was like, are they trying to make her mentally disabled? Right. Because this woman is absurd. And, like, I'm into a movie where the only people that want to have kids have something wrong with them. <laughs> uh, full stop. Like, right. that is a thing I can get behind. Right. But that, I, like, watching her, I was like, this just makes me more disgusted about being pregnant. So Not, like, Like, less. full disclosure, I got so bored with the movie that I started to just search on Twitter Uh to see what people were saying and people were talking about how someone loses it in the house and I assumed it was her Mm -hmm. because they were like oh my god this is what happens when you invite people in they turn out to be bad and I was like oh it must be her because she's so fucking weird of course she would be the one who turned and then it wasn't her and I was like oh so she's just 
that way <laughs> yeah I, I was just know. like okay this does none of this it was just pitched so strangely and it made me feel I was like this is also weirdly fat phobic in some ways where yes. I was like you made this the one like, fat character is like doop, 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 she's doop, like doop. super duper pregnant yeah. but she's so stupid she wants to name her kids Cinderella yeah. like you are playing her into this really weird stereotype that creeps me out and makes me feel super gross yeah she was also like two seconds from being killed and if they hadn't let her in she in no way would have been able to survive on yeah. her own. Yeah, I every character was like a shitty version of an archetype that I've seen done better in something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, guys, so that's how we feel. What are your thoughts? Hashtag light trees and pod. What stuff you've seen that you've loved? Recommend stuff to each other. And on that note, it's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here is your bad news. All right, I guess I can put this in the bad news section. The fact that anyone is praising Mitt Romney <laughs> for his stupid op-ed in the Washington Post um, in which he basically just attacks Trump's character while on the down low supporting basically all of his policy decisions. Yep. So, and, but people are like, he's so brave and he's going to be the Republican challenger who saves us from Trump. Yeah, because that worked out so well before. Right. Uh, and anytime you find yourself rooting for Mitt Romney, <laughs> mm. uh, just remember that he's fucking evil. And the only reason he looks good by comparison is because Trump is a cartoon character of a Republican. All true. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't do that. I'm not that I thought you guys would. Um, also I wanted to talk about Hassan Minaj's, um, Oh God, this is so infuriating. It is, but I also, okay, so we'll get into it. So in case you haven't heard, Netflix caved to Saudi Arabia and took down, uh, Hassan's comedy special. So, obviously, this has angered uh, free speech fans who were like, you cave to an authoritarian regime who asked that you censor an artist's work, which is all true. Um, however, I do think it's interesting that this is the thing that's gotten people a little more heated than, say, like, political activists disappearing. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> um, that's been happening for a long time. There was an interesting thread on... Twitter. Uh, from yeah, I saw this. It was yeah, really heartbreaking. He, he was a writer on, or is a writer on, um, I forget which show, but he uh, was talking about how he had met some uh, activists from Saudi Arabia who were like two very cool young... Well, one comedian and he was with his wife. Right. And the writer was like talking to the comedian and didn't know who his wife was. And it turns out his wife was one of the most prominent um, women's rights activists so from Saudi she Arabia. She was one of the people that was out there getting the right to drive. Right. So he met them and he was like, wow, they're so cool. They're so funny. They're so hip. And then some time went by, and uh, it turns out that she was just disappeared, right? Well, they were both arrested. Yeah. And she's, I think, 
at least one of at least she but if not both of them are still in prison and yeah she's definitely straight up being tortured I, and yeah. mo- as are most of the women who are in charge of the protests there right so like yes it's bad that and also i i don't think like hassan would want these two things compared in any way <laughs> you know like i'm sure he would be like yeah let's focus on the mm-hmm. people being physically tortured um and while it's certainly true that it's not right, it is wrong that they took down his special, um, I just think perspective yeah. is important. Yeah, because people are actually being tortured. Yeah. Um, and it's important to care when that happens. But too. I also think that like a lot of people aren't necessarily saying that the censorship part is the main thing to focus on. They're using it pretty intelligently as an excuse to discuss that the fact that... Mm-hmm. Um, both the U.S. government and U.S. companies are more interested in what, uh, you know, baby dictator MBS mm-hmm. and his uh, regime are doing, like, want than to actually pay attention to the bad things that they're yeah, doing. Yeah, I hope that's true. I also wonder, like, what the tipping point's going to be. Because, I mean, I think at this point, everybody knows Saudi Arabia is an authoritarian regime that tortures mm-hmm. people, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and that did 9-11. And did 9-11. And I think most Americans are like, hey, that's not cool. So I'm just wondering like, what the moment's going to be where... I mean, not to be uh, cliche about it, but it's like, as long as they have oil, is it going to matter? Yeah. Although yeah. I feel like they probably don't even have that much oil right now. But like, but yes, I think it's we've just gone in with them. Yeah. And uh, this is... This a, is a marriage that's going to drive itself into the ground and take both of us down. Yeah. <laughs> I think at this point, it's just inertia. Yeah. that is keeping people like not that like they think oh well there's nothing we can do and um media especially women's media did some pretty serious disservices in the way that they covered uh the protests about women driving and the activists that did it there was um there was a really good feature about the activists uh women activists working on this stuff that covered some of it and i think it was at was it at l maybe or marie claire i can't remember i think it was jessica uh, roy that worked on it but um that one was reported from Saudi Arabia last summer. Yeah, when you say that they did a disservice, was it like lack of coverage? No, it was by focusing, it was too much focus on uh, the fact that this was happening and then um, not critically enough covering the royal family in yes. it. Yes, because it there has been a lot of willingness to hold to uphold the women of the Saudi royal family for being progressive and so-called sure. and, like behaving in a feminist manner when they are not like that. So you can go to a lot of places and you see some of these uh, some of these female members who are adults, they all have their like have been gifted certain portfolios where they're like, oh yeah, we want women to ride bikes or we think this is okay. We want to like encourage this stuff and we want women entrepreneurship. But it's all very much the like Sandberg lean in like we were empowering women without mm-hmm. fundamentally changing the systems or questioning the fact that these are things that these women are doing while still taking advantage of their position as members of the Saudi royal family. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, so I'd, obviously I don't want to diminish the fact that censorship is bad and it's definitely not good that Netflix did this. Um, but yeah, I just think... It's important to remember uh, the scope of the problem, everybody. Um, well, it's also, here's here's a way to put it. Sure. Uh, 
it's deeply disturbing that American corporations mm. are bending to the will of a foreign power that has already uh, created a robust and terrifying censorship regime in its own, like censorship and torture regime inside its own country. Because if we're willing to bend to that, if they're willing to bend for them through that, like it shows that there's just absolutely like no interest in actually holding governments accountable for bad actions. Right, right. Um, and that like capital is more important than yeah human rights. Yeah. Uh, so what did I want to talk about in the bad news section? I think we have time for one more. Um, what is this? Sometimes I pull up stories and I'm like, oh, I was going to say, uh, yesterday, Donald Trump having a hissy fit, um, cute press conference oh quote yeah unquote, with four bald men from <laughs> uh bo like border patrol ice and homeland security somebody tweeted because first of all they all look identical but then they do. oh there were some good tweets about this they were like they're actually skinheads oh yeah somebody also said that they all look like four penises standing behind him <laughs> So, yeah, he goes up there. He talks about how the wall is good, how the, nobody appreciates these brave men. Uh, the wall is good. Immigrants bad. And then he left and took no questions. So, Which is not a press conference. No, it is not. You can't call it that if you don't take any questions from the press, you dummy. Oh, God. And, yeah, and this was mostly him being upset because Congress was swearing its members in and people. and Too uh, many women. Yeah, well, too many women and Nancy Pelosi, like, getting the gavel, and he was so mad. Ugh. It's so upsetting. He had a tantrum, decided to walk out and do this. And so, you know, this is – and this is also while they just refuse to be accountable or uh, or or act like there's anything wrong with the fact that they're literally murdering children in detention centers. Yeah, like, every week there's another story about, like, a 7-year-old, a 5-year-old who caught pneumonia. Mm. And yeah. A 5-month-old who caught pneumonia. Oh, One five of them. Months. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, guys, occasionally uh, a child dies and we shouldn't let that dissuade us from pretending we're going to build a wall. Right. Well, and, and people getting up in arms today about the fact that Rashida Talab said, uh, we're going to impeach this motherfucker <laughs> at a, uh, at a party like yesterday after her swearing in because it's a breach of decorum, but we're, uh, once again, we're killing children in our detention centers. I've ranted about this so much on this <laughs> show, and I know no one wants to hear it again, but the people who pretend to be offended by profanity while advocating policies that kill children, I'm like, go fuck yourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you pretend to be these Puritans and, like, Christians, but it's like you don't care about human life when you claim you care about human life. Um, you're just racist and xenophobes and you're clutching at your pearls because you you're hoping you can shut down the conversation yeah. by being like, you swore. Well, civility hasn't stopped the people from killing children, so I'm not sure why we need to be civil anymore. We, you know, it's almost like we don't need to be civil or play by their rules. Oh, well, I mean, it is terrible that a Muslim lady said a swear. That's true. It's mostly terrible she's Muslim. Yeah, yeah. Well, and she's from Detroit, guys. Okay. This is really bad. In this order, my complaints. One, she's Muslim. Two, she's from Detroit. Three, she dabbed with her sons. Four, she said a swear word. <laughs> and it's in that order that I'm horrified. I'm clutching my pearls right now, guys. I'm wearing my podcasting pearls. Mm -hmm. Guys, on that note, because I want to talk about um, some dirty, dirty female congresswomen... 
Here's your good news. So we have to talk about conservatives actually becoming the town from Footloose. This has made me My God. so happy. So this old video emerges of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez when she was in college d- dancing in a parody video. Yeah. Um, that is a parody of the dance from The Breakfast Club. And it's uh, like to Phoenix's Listomania, so you right. can get a sense of when this happened. It was yeah, like yeah, ten yeah. years ago. <laughs> so, oh, right, yeah, that's true. Uh, she looks exactly the same, but it was ten yeah. years ago. Um, and it, it's like a frame by frame reshooting of it. If you've ever seen that movie, you get the reference immediately because she's doing Ali Sheedy. Yes, swoon. Right, but. A bunch of conservatives who have obviously never seen that film were like, oh, my God, this is so embarrassing. And they tried to embarrass um, Cortez by posting it online. And it spectacularly backfired, as it always backfires when they come for her, which I love so much. I can't figure out if, like, they're very bad at this, attacking her, or she's very good at parrying it. It's both. Uh, but it's hilarious every time they try it. So, of course, everyone's reposting this video like, this is really cute, and I like it. I mean, I wish there was any evidence whatsoever of me being half as cute as this <laughs> when I was 18 years old. I know. Oh, my God. I hope nothing emerges of me when I was 18 yeah. years like, old. Holy shit. A congresswoman was a dork once. Right. Like, Paul Ryan was obsessed with Ayn Rand and already was uh, like super into the idea of destroying the social safety net by the time he was 18. And this chick decided she wants to dance on a roof with, as a friend of mine who went to BU pointed out, uh, other members of a specific sort of group organization that was all about wholesome fun and had a no drinking or drugs policy. Yeah, that's what drives me nuts. We were just talking about the hypocrisy of like uh, the pearl clutching from conservatives. Like Brett Kavanaugh at this point, at that point, like 18 years old, Brett Kavanaugh was a fucking drunk raping machine. But where is the outrage over that? Alexandria... Ocasio-Cortez is sober and doing a funny little dance and they're like burn her (laughs) why are you mad about that and you're not mad about I mean I know it's a rhetorical question don't tweet me well they they just think that if they can convince people that she's not serious somehow by doing all of this stuff but they've literally like don't have anyone who's ever been a fun individual mm-hmm. who's also young. I mean, you know, it's like we now have, like, there are only young people in Congress who are Republicans are very much in the mold of, like, Elise Stefanik, who is, like, very proper and prim and probably has never done anything wrong in her life, or there's certainly no video evidence mm-hmm. of it. So you have now social media, and we have YouTube and all of this stuff where you can find This these. is going to happen more and more. Yeah, the more millennials we get. just yeah. fine. It's totally like, fine. I also hope that, like, it's sort of heightens our threshold for being um like shocked or outraged by stuff because like you're right the more younger people we have elected into congress the more likely the chances are that they're going to have like video content that they were in back in the day are we gonna pass out every time a video of someone dancing emerges well and i don't really get why there's this belief that 
you're supposed to be a robot in order like you have yeah. to be a specific kind of robot in order to be a pot like in politics because right. that's what's gotten us into this mess in the first place True, yeah. and people who come in and have genuinely radical interesting ideas about shaking up the status quo and actually confronting the existential problems that we have are also going to be the kind of people that understood that sometimes making a video and putting it on the internet was fun 10 right. years ago because they weren't afraid of technology and they weren't afraid of like trying to have fun also guys i mean this is going to look like a charming story yeah. in five years because this is so pure that it's extra hilarious because she's being like so innocent in the video. But there's gonna be um there's gonna be sex videos, there's gonna be naked selfies, you mm -hmm. know, in the future. And like, are we gonna be shocked every single time? Yeah. Or can we just be like, Yeah, that well, happens. You, you know she's already done something today that as uh, a Friday that is awesome in response to this. She posted a video to Twitter that's her, she's like the GOP is afraid of women, is like upset that women dance. She's like, guess what? So do congresswomen. And it's like a short clip of her dancing outside of her office uh, and singing <laughs> along to the song War, What Is It Good For? So she goes, War, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. And then she dances, like turns around and dances into her office. Oh, my God. Uh, and then uh, Ilana Omar retweeted it and uh, paraphrased, it's not my revolution if I can't, like, right. can't dance to it. Yeah. Or whatever the Emma Goldman quote is, but uh, so we've got we've got Congress we've got millennial Congresswomen quoting Emma Goldman and posting videos uh, just like full on owning yeah. the conservative. Also, uh, proposed a seventy percent tax increase on the rich to pay for her uh, new Green yeah. Deal. So I was like, and if somebody that's bitchy about that, remember it's marginal tax rate, so we're not talking about everything. This is uh, right. you know, et cetera. But. Uh, and somebody pointed out that it's especially funny that, that she proposes this in a 60 Minutes interview with Anderson Cooper, <laughs> a.k.a. a literal living Vanderbilt. A Vanderbilt, yeah. And he's the voice of objectivity who's like, are you really sure that that's a good idea? Please don't do that to my mommy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and at that point, AOC would be like, look, I've read her romance novels. She's great, but she can just write a few more. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I also wanted to talk about things are going very, very badly for the Proud Boys right now, oh guys. No. Oh, no. Um, so recently, 10 members have been arrested in connection uh, with the violence we talked about in Manhattan where a bunch of Proud Boys jumped uh, people and beat them up. Um, they've been charged with riot and attempted assault as part of the investigation into their activities. Um, and this has, of course, sent people like Gavin McInnes scrambling to distance himself. Um, he announced on YouTube in late November that he was quitting the group in all capacities forever. <laughs> I like that he added forever. Uh, so now the Proud Boys don't have a figurehead. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, although they did post a message online that said, we're not going anywhere. Well, uh, luckily, there's no shortage of weird beardos to step in to take over for him. Yeah, you neckbeards. Uh, anybody want to be president neckbeard? 
So I think it's hilarious. Um, this also mirrors like the disarray of militias we've seen in the past. Yeah. Um, where, you know, sometimes uh, a guy tries to fuck his friend's wife and your whole militia falls apart. It happens. It literally happened. Honestly, if the militias just decided to be swingers and or <laughs> decided to only comprise themselves of swingers, the swingers militia would probably oh be much no. more successful. They would take over the world. You if they know were just, they like, would. Real relaxed attitude towards sex. Oh. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm just thinking about, like, everybody doing a key party with their weird F-250s in the... (laughs) Would it be a key party or would it be a bullet party? And they would, like, carve their initials into it? Oh, I hope it would be a bullet... Oh, maybe it could be a gun party. You just put your gun in a bowl. (laughs) (laughs) That's my gun, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. So many people would get shot. Guys, I am so sorry for putting that image in your head. I'm not, and I want someone to draw it. (laughs) I'm just putting that request out. Hashtag light trees and pod. So the Proud Boys are in trouble. I think it's hilarious. Oh, okay. I legitimately don't know where to put Elizabeth Warren in this episode because, um, so I'm sure you've heard by now that she's launched her exploratory committee for 2020 and a lot of people are very excited about it. Um, I just didn't know where to put it because like I hate horse race politics bullshit and it's so early to start this but of course we knew it would start early and yeah I mean I don't know what do you think (sighs) I am we're all just so tired I'm (laughs) exhausted we just finished the election that's how I feel I don't need this I also think that like good for her for doing it and these things are gonna happen so she might as well get out there yeah and they're going to like it wouldn't have mattered when she decided to announce an exploratory committee or that she was going to run for president or anything else. People are still going to go through the whole cycle of like, is she likable enough? Did she miss her chance because she didn't run in 2016? Is something else is something else? And you know what? I think blah, that's, blah, blah. that's why I'm so tired immediately, because you can just see 20 moves ahead already yeah. where it was like, yeah, they're going to ask, is she likable enough? Uh, there's going to be the comparisons to Hillary. There's going to be the pissed off Hillary supporters who want Hillary to run again. Um, there's going to be the pissed off Bernie Sanders people mm-hmm. who want Sanders All to run. All of whom are already out there. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know. So that's why I was immediately tired. It was like, she doesn't even get a chance to be a candidate because there's so much established already around her. Right. But that's going to be the case for anyone. Yeah, that's true. Except for establishment wet dream candidates that people are already Joe lining Biden. up behind and Beto. Like, oh God. but also like, Fuck Joe Biden. I'm sorry. Beto wins something before you look yeah. at for the presidency. Call me after you people have tried to figure out how to make Stacey Abrams happen because that bitch actually won her election. I know. I Stacey Abrams would be amazing. I feel like if the Democratic Party doesn't run a person of color, it over. Oh, yeah. I mean, they are they are conventional wisdom third weighing themselves into oblivion right the fuck now. And I, I know, mean, yeah, I, and I don't mean that in an identity politics kind of way of way of no, they're way. just straight up not going to get the votes because those like most of the people suck. Like, yeah. And, and you need who have, someone yeah. who can speak to the experiences of the majority of people who are going to vote for you. Mm-hmm. So like Stacey Abrams is a black woman, but she also gets like what it is to struggle in America right now and like could speak to that in a way that I'm sorry fucking Beto can't Joe Biden can't any of your like milk toast white candidates you're not going to connect with 
millions of voters in the same way. Well, and you just, if anything can be learned from 2018, it's that running people who are actually unafraid to take on the actual bullshit that the Republicans are spewing is like they are going to have more success than someone who wants to bring a sort of like I can bring us back like nostalgia for a different time is not actually going to energize the people we need to energize right and pretending that Republicans at the state level haven't gerrymandered uh everything and set voter like voter restrictions in place that are going to functionally disenfranchise a ton of people and then just being like well if we run a centrist we'll finally capture those people that just are you know those white voters i'm just like they're not coming back like how many times does that strategy have to fail before they'll be like oh maybe we shouldn't keep doing the same thing over and over and over again that well i mean work having it fail is the whole point of the strategy though because it keeps assholes like ed Randell in in sure. like good standing. As long as we protect Ed Randell. Oh my that's god. That's my personal motto. That man has actually been me too'd and he's still <laughs> out here talking shit about women who want to run for president. Cool. He pulled some nonsense in a piece about Amy Klobuchar where he said like, yeah, you know, she's really got all these skills, but she's got a real girl next door quality. You know, the kind of person you'd like want your son to marry. And oh I was like, god. oh god. Don't say like, that. Why don't you just say you want to look at her feet? Gross. Ew. Oh god. People have already started commenting on the AOC tweet that they want to see her feet. So, <sighs> I mean, that, I feel like that happens <laughs> to all women who are in public after a while. Yeah, well, like, I mean, we do have the wiki website. Feet, so. Yeah, wiki feet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, anyway, good thing. It's good that people are running, like, want to run for president. It's bad that um, everyone over the age of 65 has done its best to fundamentally destroy anybody between the ages of. 45 and 65 who might be revolutionary enough to run and not seem ancient yeah uh so good luck democrats we're fucked well i will say to be positive because technically we are in the good news (laughs) section it was really awesome to see uh so many women of color uh get sworn in yeah barbara lee's selfies yesterday were pretty uplifting yeah and um, being sworn in in her uh, traditional Palestinian dress was pretty amazing and it was really amazing um, to see two Native American women getting sworn in and they had like a very emotional um, embrace on the floor which was really really nice to see if you were watching uh, the live swearing in video I mean, it is 100% okay to still be skeptical and yeah. relatively cynical about what's actually going to happen when these people, are, when these women sure. are forced to reckon with the uh, massive structural bullshit that will try to keep them from accomplishing anything. But it is okay and good to be excited that this has happened because these are real watershed moments and we should celebrate them as significant. Right, right. I mean, like... Deb Halland and Sharice Davids, like, you're right. Uh, who knows what their voting record's going to be, right? Yeah. Um, or how much they'll be able to get done in this terrible, terrible Congress. But I just think we, we do have to count our victories when they happen, and it is extraordinary to see two Native American women um, get sworn into Congress. Like, that's an achievement in itself. It's an achievement that so many women... Yeah got sworn into Congress, 
yes, we still have a long way to go, but um, we're living in the backlash of Trump right now. And it was great to see so many women step up. Well, so many women and so many women who just didn't wait for permission or for someone else to say that it was okay. I mean, these are people that... uh, that came out and fought against people saying it's not your turn. It's not time yet. It's too soon. People aren't ready. And they proved all of those naysayers wrong. And this is a good lesson for anyone who's watching what's going on. Cause they're also pretty clearly not interested in playing by the same old rules either. And they're, okay with getting people shouting them down because they know that some stuff needs to be said. Yeah, I think that's great advice for any women listening right now. Um, Don't ask for permission to do Mm -hmm. something. Um, And frankly, don't uh, ask for forgiveness either. Don't ask for forgiveness. (laughs) Uh, Expect everyone to tell you that it's not your time, you're not qualified. Don't listen to any of them. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Because uh, they just think that because you're a woman. If you're a man and you're unqualified and it's not your time and you're not ready, uh, your name's Beto and everybody tells you to run for president. Um, Apparently in um, the Hamptons, mm-hmm. in a cute little boutique, there are people with like inspirational, like, please run Beto uh, Listen, objects. Listen, it's, it's nothing and, like yeah. against him because I, I do credit him for running a, a very close race in Texas. But it is very frustrating to once again see a barely qualified white man who happens to be kind. I mean, he is good looking. Um, Meredith is showing me the Beto merch <laughs> right now. There are Beto cups. And what are those? Beto? Uh, they're, co- they're fancy tile, uh, sort of like ceramic tile coasters with his face oh, on them. Oh, those are coasters. Okay. Yeah. My God. Uh, yes. East Hampton at the store, uh, monogram store in East Hampton. Uh, and this is... Uh, posted by my only Republican friend, Elise Jordan. Um, so she's unscientific, but I do think the monogram store in East Hampton is an accurate benchmark of elite, elite opinion. And I just responded with three of the eye roll emojis. <laughs> How are you friends with a Republican? Well, Elise was married to Michael, so I will oh, always Elise, be. Oh, Elise, yeah. Elise. Oh, yeah, I know. Mm. Yeah. Like I said, I get one. Right, right. But, you know. You might get one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, do I have one? Oh, man, maybe I do. Maybe if I thought about it hard enough. Anyways, guys, um, yeah, it's just frustrating to see, yet again, an attractive, underqualified white man be cheered on by millions of people. And then, like, extremely qualified women of color are consistently told to wait their turn, don't be overly ambitious, you'll embarrass yourself, stuff like that. And it's like, fuck that. Just do the thing. Mm -hmm. Do the thing. Don't listen to the haters. Do the thing. Yeah. This goes for pop culture, too, because it's basically every superhero movie versus Ava DuVernay, who, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, Talk about underqualified white, underqualified men versus talented women. And, like, so overqualified and has been working for so long, putting out excellent work and finally got recognized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But she's a great example where she was, like, ridiculously overqualified for so long. And then people were like, hey, have you seen this? woman director (laughs) she's like yes i've been around forever um oh she's so great guys please follow meredith on twitter at meredith l clark if you had any thoughts about this week's recap episode hashtag light treason pod it's so good to be back it really feels good we missed you oh by the way i do i have seen your patreon questions i am going to get to them eventually i just had so many pop culture wrecks today that i wanted to share those 
But yeah, if you've seen anything we talked about, if you have seen anything different, you want to talk about that, um, talk to each other on Twitter. That's where all the little conversations happen. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, all of those places. I do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. Guys, I'm locked out of my account right now. Oh, no. And I'm desperately trying to get back in. It is a fucking ordeal to get back in. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm working on that, but that's why I haven't been able to post content over there in a while. I'm working on it. I will get back into it soon. It's the two-step verification thing because I switched my phone. Yeah, it's fantastic to do to keep people from hacking you. But if you accidentally get locked out, oh, boy, is it tough. They truly sent me like 30 things I need to send them to get back in. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? It's me. And they were like, well, we don't know that. Yeah. Um, anyways, guys, follow me on Twitter at Allison Kilkenny. Thank you so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs>